You're listening to a special book club episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, we've, as you know, we've been doing a few of these. Our last one was All Star Superman, uh, which we were very happy to do. And this time, we are back uh, because Avengers: Infinity War is on the horizon. And so, for this episode of the book club, we have chosen to talk about Infinity Gauntlet. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Infinity Gauntlet is a classic story uh, that is, a, a lot of that is the inspiration for the upcoming Infinity War movie, although they don't have the exact same name. Uh, Infinity War itself is a comic book uh, that is the sort of next step in the, the Thanos saga uh, within the comics, but Infinity Gauntlet has more aligned with the movie than the actual Infinity War comic book does. So if you want to prepare for the movie, Infinity Gauntlet's the book to read. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start talking about it, um, and and I, I want to start with what you guys expected this book to be before you dove in. The reason why is because for me personally, I didn't know what the hell to expect. Honestly, I really didn't know what to expect. I knew the beats, right? Because we all kind of know the beats. But I didn't know sure. whether or not I would enjoy it. And don't say how you feel about it. Just say what you thought you would experience. Well, I've, I've read it before, so I'll uh, I'll abstain from this part of the discussion. I'll tell you one thing I uh, expected, and I expect the same thing from the movie. Hawkeye is not on the fucking poster, and he's not in the fucking book either. <laughs> so he, he ain't going to be in this movie. That's right. Imagine, like, literally just the very beginning of the movie, we get Thanos' snap, and, Jer- and Jeremy Renner just disappears. That's yeah. the last we see of him. <laughs> Shit, I can't say vaguely sexist uh. comments anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, I think I imagined it would be more uh, similar to Infinite Christ, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, where it's just like a, a clusterfuck of superheroes coming at one target um i i expected a lot more of that okay hmm. i've i've uh i've read this book before okay um, well, yeah. Phil? really yeah <clears throat> wow. um this is my this is my marvel wheelhouse in a lot of ways marvel cosmic is my shit mm. it is my jam right um I, I read this book yeah. 15 years ago, and I forgot a lot of it. I read it around the same time I read Secret War, um, which I think this book is, I think this yeah, book is very similar to Secret War uh, in a lot of ways because it's like a giant crossover of a, of a universal catastrophe. Um, I Going into it now, I expected Jim Starlin-style prose, and it's exactly what I got. <laughs> That first issue, man. There's so much fucking prose, like so much. <laughs> so, so before we before we dive in, uh, this book is written by Jim Starlin, who, as Phil sort of alluded to, uh, is kind of a Marvel cosmic guy. I think a lot of his stories over the years have been in that realm. Uh, creator of Thanos, lover of all things Thanos, um, and really is the guy who who you can thank, if you are a fan of Thanos, you can thank him for that, because he's kind of built that character from scratch. Uh, and then the artists on this book are George Perez and Ron Lim. 
who both did a fantastic job, I would say. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. Um, but it's a six-issue story with the basic premise being that uh, Thanos acquires the Infinity Gems off-screen, you know, in prior issues. And uh, basically is trying to win over the love of Death, who in the comic books is personified. Um, and uses the powers of the Infinity Gems to do what he believes is what she wants. Uh, which is to eliminate half the life in the universe, which of course ain't great and causes the champions of Marvel to rise up to stop them. And craziness ensues from there. Uh, so I want to start on Thanos because this is very much a Thanos centric book. Um, and so I want to start by talking just about where he comes into the story, how you guys felt about his character. And um, just, you know, just general thoughts on Thanos. Um, can I start? Sure. I, no. I, don't, I don't know that... Fair enough. I don't know that I have a lot more to say about Thanos than this. Um, and I could probably be swayed because as I'm thinking about it, um, I think my opinion is changing. I don't, I don't like it when um, these great cosmic beings are, are given like human you know when they're personified when they're when they're given like human emotion so the fact that hmm. death for me is um you know the object of desire for and not, and not just desire like unyielding like uh, love obsession uh for Thanos it's it's really it's unappealing to me and uh before I I read this I had read I think I'd read the first Thanos uh miniseries that came out just before Hickman's uh Infinity stuff in the Avengers yeah um and it just it really turned me off and I just wasn't into it um and so, like, as I was reading this, it, it was just more and more frustrating to me that this uh, was an aspect to his character. But at the same time, as it progressed, it also made a lot more sense for the character for me. Mm, okay. So what about it, as it progressed made it make sense for you like what, what specifically changed the tenor of it for you that's the thing i don't know but it you know for me it was just like okay well yeah i, I don't know hmm. i just kind of as i as i went on i, I think thanos and it, it's not even that i i like that he's obsessed with death as a an object of of love and desire I think I grew more to enjoy Thanos as a villain, but I think for me those two might be separate things. Okay, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> to respond to that, I think like uh, my perception of Thanos um, is like I, I think he's a, a, a fun villain. You know, I think there's a lot you can do with him and, like, his his um, bravado and, like, the, the kind of, like, grandiose way he carries himself is something that I've always found really, like, fun. Like, he's, like, very, like, Shakespearean. You know, he's sure. always fucking 
giving a big speech about how elegant he is and how much he, you know, admires death. And I'm, I'm always worshiping it or delivering it out or whatever. And, you know, like I, I have a, there's a, an appeal to him for me that I don't know that I can quite, um, articulate, I guess. Uh, but I think the, the, my, my one major reaction to this reading it as an adult was I was like, man, Thanos is such a little fuck boy. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. he just, he's just like, why won't you love me? All of my efforts are just spurned with rejection. And just like, get over yourself, man. Like, you're a god, but you're a puny god. A major thing I think that needs to be considered with the publication of this is it's a byproduct of, of the sci-fi that it comes from. Um, a lot of 50s and 60s uh, high-end sci-fi like Forbidden Planet or, or, or the original Star Trek series really leans on um, Shakespeare as a major theme to convey um, uh, heady subjects. And Shakespeare as a writer, whether it be something like Romeo and Juliet or Othello or Sonnets, love is portrayed as, as being obsession-based. Um, and like, the most the most timeless and universal uh i think aspect of that is the way um juliet takes her own life in believing or after seeing uh, romeo die at the end of that book because that's how love was portrayed sure. in, yeah. in 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 the six fifteen hundreds, fourteen hundreds. 1500s 1400s um and it's not just that i mean if, even like someone like um James Joyce in the 1800s, his love letters to his partner were like extremely dedicated. Like that, that's that was the style. Uh, and Thanos, it, the the Starlin tradition is very operatic in that uh, it, the prose is heavy, and Thanos is a character who like it's it's this love that is not permitted to him. He can have anything in the world because of this infinite power and ability, but he is not given the favor of Lady Death. But you won't do that. No, no, she won't do Oh, with, boy. With regard, yeah, with regard to, to Thanos, I'm actually the opposite, um, I, I guess, of Kale's sentiment. Because, like, I, I enjoy when you take, like, a, a character that is so, I guess, a character that is, like, powerful and is uh, statured as a supposed god. And you give them those human characteristics because you have to try to make them relate, um, or re- make try to make them at, as relatable as possible, understanding that they are like this other higher being. But you still have to try to ground them to some extent, and like making giving them emotion is the easiest way to do that without like physically limiting them. And so giving them that that emotion and that like reflection, you can. I don't know, it makes it seem almost like a little more evil because you can kind of like you you can almost personify and put yourself in those in that position because he is because he can be empathetic. Classic. I think that's the point. Classic sci-fi is grounded in classic literature for that reason. Yeah. It's a foreign alien concept because it's it's by nature extraterrestrial, and you're grounding it in in the classics, the familiar, yeah, the and, familiar. And, and in the familiar stuff, so, yeah. Well, and I think specifically in that context, because um, it's interesting too, because I think like the cosmic level, um, not level, like nature of this story, and the fact that we deal with like the literal personifications of like mm-hmm. existence, 
uh, in this story is also very reminiscent of, like, mythology, mm-hmm. which is a very common comparison, right? Like, we've said on the show plenty of times that superheroes are, you know, they're the American pantheon, right? And um, that is, like, that's what the gods are, right? It's the god of this, the god of that, the personification of this, the personification of that. And, I, you know, I think we're just seeing an evolution of those uh, storytelling traditions the, the, here. The one last thing I wanted to say on this subject, this is what Sean's question was, is for, with how I felt about Thanos, is to me this, this is Thanos. This, this is... I mean, Starling created a character and molded the character for um, 20 years. Um, 30 years. And if there's someone that has the tone and language of the character it's 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 jim starlin sure so the one one thing i wanted to point out um in response to the conversation about uh thanos as a god being given human emotion is that thanos is not really a god Mm. thanos has god powers because of the gems but he's not a god and you see the other eternals um, like his brother Eros, he's a, he's like a playboy. He's he has more he's more akin to Tony Stark than anything else. And Thanos is just a hurt sure. person. You know, Thanos is a hurt being who seeks out monstrous power because he lacks love. He he lacked love in his early youth, and he's become this disgusting beast of a monster uh, as a result of that. And he looks for love in literally the worst place imaginable. He looks. He looks for love from death. Would you say he's you know? looking for love in all the wrong places? Right. I would say so, yes. Um, Is that what that song's about? <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, for me, I, like, I, I, I and, and I think this comparison isn't, you know, unwarranted or even original. You know, when you compare him to someone like Darkseid, you know, I, I have, haven't read much of Darkseid, but what i have uh, and even what i've seen in like the the justice league animated series he's he's emotionless he's just straight up you know i i, I he's hate and anger personified but it's also like you don't cold. see yeah it's cold you don't see it other than yeah. like the the landscape of apocalypse and how uh you know how he treats his theories and 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 the you know the people in apocalypse um and so like it's when you compare it that way you know and you say you know oh thanos is a dark side clone whatever like yeah that makes sense that you would want to you know turn the card but it's also like dark side to me is more appealing because he's he's cold and he's an he's an unstoppable force and how is how is you know raw emotion gonna stop him? Un- unlike unlike Thanos and like Kanye West, Darkseid is a god. D- yeah, right. Darkseid is a god, and also uh, from what I understand, Thanos is a copy of Darkseid only in the physical sense. Sure. Uh, his personality yeah, comes that, from that connection is yeah. overblown, and, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, Phil, you'll you'll know better than me. I can't remember what character is Thanos's personality modeled after, or not his personality, but his like he was initially modeled after another member of the DC. Yeah, wasn't it Mongol? Wasn't it was, of the New Gods? I thought it was Mongol. 
That, was it yeah, Mongol? That, it might. That it does might, make a lot of sense. Been. Yeah, it could be Mongol. Because I think Mongol was another. Oh boy, uh, you're putting him on the spot. I think he was another Starlin ca- uh, creation. Oh, is that right? Oh. It was Metron. It was. It was Metron. Okay. Oh, that makes even less sense. Yeah. It was Met. It was Metron, and it was more. It was more about the way that he looked. Um. So yeah. then, he was told, or Starlin was told by Roy Thomas. If you're gonna steal from DC, you should model him after the better-looking character, and that being Darkseid, and make him bigger and cooler-looking. Um, so that yeah, so just to just to answer to that, um, so so in this book, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say Mongo was created by Starlin, though, for what it's worth. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so in this book, Thanos obviously has this this quest. Uh, to fall, get make death fall in love with him, and that obviously draws uh, some some heavy hitters uh, to look his way uh, in an attempt to stop him. And the main the main uh, opposition is Adam Warlock. Uh, now I don't know about you guys, but I never really I, I read Adam Warlock in Infinity War. For some reason, I read Infinity War before Infinity Gauntlet. Don't ask me how that happened, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, that's my main knowledge base of that character. And so it was really cool to go back and see how they ended up where they did in Infinity War here. Uh, so what do you guys think about Adam Warlock's role in this book? And I, I'm, I'm really interested because I could see this being pretty controversial. I, I think it was clear that the Marvel Universe needed a hero after Thanos killed Hawkeye to stand up and lead the forces against Thanos. Uh, Warlock is, yeah, I, for for me, he's a really cool character. I, I I very much enjoy when, um, when books sort of throw in, like, uh, like like basically he was sort of born out of all of the like the weird uh, cocoon thing and like all that stuff. Like I like when they sort of when writers interject the main story with something that's like kind of bizarre and just like odd and, and like out there, but then connects it to the main story. And so f- that sort of painted my feelings of uh warlock like just from the start like not even him being there as a character um but as a character i sort of see him as like the herald uh for the story and he's like he he is what keeps it progressing constantly so sure um yeah i'm 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 a big fan of his i i I don't know nothing else about him but like just from this story like he's a really cool character and um he's positioned he's he fits into the story really, really well. I like that. Like ninety percent of his role yeah. is, oh, hang on, wait, yeah, wait for yeah. it, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> and he like teases you out with that, yeah. you know. It's like a, it's like a, a thing about Thanos that is appealing to me is that the, his foils uh, before before Adam Warlock, it was Captain Marvel. Um, mm. And to a lesser extent, Quasar. Um, Adam Warlock is really his 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 ultimate adversary, and that plays big in this story. Uh, like, there's that part that is really like the the biggest uh, moment of the book is where Warlock basically says, like, "Yeah, the reason why you fuck up is because you, you fu- like you're you're your own weakness." Your psyche, yeah. your personality, your 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 ego, your 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 lack of like 
your poor self-esteem in a way. You get in your own way. Uh, but Warlock knows that because Warlock knows him better than he knows himself. Uh, I like how cool and calculated he is, and he's essentially a sociopath, which really he's contrasted with the Silver Surfer in this book because the Surfer is an incredibly yeah. empathetic character. Um, and that's that's the real contrast here. It's not so much Warlock and Thanos. They're like two king pieces on a chessboard it's really the contrast between surfer and and warlock or like the king and queen on the same side of the chessboard yeah i think it's especially interesting too because the way warlock is portrayed is really interesting and i think he's representative of uh an interesting kind of like I guess you could say trope. I, I don't mean that to be like negative, but in in superhero comics, of having the he's like very much like a Doctor Manhattan kind of figure, you know, where like he was a being immortal and like he clearly has stake in this game. Like he he's interested in in continuing uh, reality and 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 preserving life. Um, and and when Surfer uh, confronts him about. You know, is this just a game to you? He says, like, I, it has to be a game or it would drive me mad, you know? So, like, he has a detachment, but it's a detachment he has to impose on himself because he is a god, you know? Or he's a godlike figure anyway. Um, he's a, Or a cosmic entity, I guess we could say. And um, that is one of the things I find really compelling about him as a character. There, there's a duality there that, you know, he's... he's uh, It, it kind of reminds me of, like a less human let like more cold version of like uh to make another shakespeare alleg um allegory uh of like the apothecary you know of like being that character that exists to set the the plot in motion more so than anything else like he's a device more than he is a character he exists to like represent some of the themes of the book more so than to have his own arc and um that can be really really bad if it's poorly executed but that's like that's starlin's style and you know, it plays to his strengths. I think, it's it's in interesting you say that because the way the story progresses after Infinity Gauntlet, uh, he expels good and evil from his soul, uh, which uh, helps like that. Those two expulsions uh, form themselves in corporeal forms, and the evil part is the Magus, which is famously Adam Warlock's evil half. So when you talk about this duality, there is like a literal conscious duality of good and evil for Adam Warlock, the character, because he tries so hard to be uh, Mr. Spock from Star Trek kind of figure. Impartial. Right. Yeah. And logical. Well, and shit, man, even Spock, that's the core of his character, right? Is the duality between his human half and his Vulcan yeah. half, his logical half, and his emotional well, human side. And in the show. Less well, so. But it was still a thing. I mean, it was like 70 episodes, so. So I, I actually am surprised that you were all as high on Adam Warlock as you are. Um, I liked him quite a bit, but I thought that you guys would be, uh, that you would dislike him because he comes across as very much like a, hey, I'm here because if I'm not, then the world just ends. You know, like, I need to be here, like a deus ex from the jump. He is, for sure. Uh, yeah. but And I, I was just going to say that in, a, in the hands of a lesser writer, uh, that will that comes off really bad, um, and at first for me it actually was bad. I was like, why, like why is this what's happening? I want to see, and this is something that I think is really interesting about um, this story in contrast to Infinity uh, War the movie is that I wanted to see 
the heroes of the Marvel Universe who I know fight Thanos and win, mm. right? I didn't want to see a random guy who's like just a Deus Ex Jesus figure come and save the day. I did not want that. Uh, but as I read on, I realized actually Adam Warlock, I like him a lot. And um, yeah, he was necessary to the story because Thanos' power is overwhelming. Um, but Adam Warlock, you know, there's a lot of context missing because I haven't read, you know, all the prior material that allows you to know who he is. So, so as much as it seems like it's out of nowhere in this book, it's really not. And I would know that had I read more stuff. So it's interesting that we're reading this so out of context because obviously there's, there's stuff that we're missing. And I'm wondering if that bothered you guys at all. That, it doesn't seem like it did, but... That, that's, what's, that's what's curious is, for in a lot of ways, uh, Thanos being in the MCU without Adam Warlock is kind of jarring because of how yeah. important they are. It is a... It's a, it's a it's a Luthor, Superman, Joker, Batman thing to a smaller scale because there's obviously less familiarity. But like, oh huh, I, sorry. Just to that point, I I wonder if we're gonna see Vision in that role because isn't Vision the one with the the soul gem? I think that's true. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of my guess. Huh. Interesting. That, that's uh, that's my, my my point is that uh, at the at the end of the day I don't I don't think it matters to the film that Warlock is not there but for people that have... wasn't wasn't I, I thought Warlock was in the like isn't he in like the shell or whatever yeah but he, he was yeah he was revealed at the end but, of Guardians but what, too what, but that's not going to likely yes. factor into what, this, but... oh, okay what James Gunn said is that Warlock will become like a major role of figure in Guardians of the Galaxy three, which is after yeah. these Avengers. Movies. Right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> my my point is, it's it's while it's going to be like it's drawing for probably Marvel fans who've been reading uh, Jim Starlin cosmic shit for you know fifty years, which there is a big uh, there's a big um, cult following of that for sure. Uh, th- it doesn't have the wider cultural. Uh, recognition of that because um, I think outside of maybe some 90s cartoons uh, in the early uh, Annihilation run uh, in the mid 2000s hasn't been portrayed much in the last 15 years because he he was dead for a long time again after all the major shit in the mid 90s Um, Adam Warlock yeah yeah not Jim Starlin no he's alive and well okay I just want to I just want to keep track (laughs) Um, but I can understand why it would be drawing without the context of like who the hell is this Duex Machina because that's really what he is too. He's an overpowered character. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and for me, for me, it was oh, interesting yeah. because like I I haven't read all that stuff and I haven't read the stuff after it either. I uh, I wasn't aware that this was you know sort of an ongoing thing in either direction. Uh, so for me, Adam Warlock. It, it it really seemed like he it, the I think the chess analogy is 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 really apt because I it, it really felt like every moment he was plotting and it's one of those things yeah. where it's like you know every step is a a, a move in the direction he wants to go and right. even despite all of eternity being defeated he was able to pull it off and. I, so, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Come, it didn't come across as, you know, necessarily a, a a Jesus situation as much as it was just like 
okay, I I know what this is. I'm gonna defeat this. If like if you look at it from like the Adam Warlock perspective, it's like you know it the 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 narrative itself has the arc of him you know using everyone else as his pawns until he can make his exact move yes purpose yes strangely enough though i envy not adam warlock what thanos says at the very end of the book yeah yeah so uh we referenced quickly uh earth's heroes and uh that's about how quickly they are in the book (laughs) right well they're there for a very long time but they don't get a lot done and uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about that portion. Uh, the book opens, well, it doesn't open with, but um, quickly we do get to see where Spider-Man is, where Wolverine is, and so on and so forth. Uh, as we as we see that Thanos is deleting uh, half of the population of the universe, which includes half of the heroes of Earth. And uh, there are tons of, you know, um, cataclysms going on on Earth that the Avengers and the X-Men, and so on and so forth, try and fail to stop. And eventually they are swept into this bigger scenario involving Adam Warlock. What did you guys think about the way that Starlin used those characters? I, I think most of them are used there to move books for the iconography of popular Marvel characters. They were clearly, like, outside of uh, Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, and the Silver Surfer, uh, they were, in, in Captain America to a lesser extent, they were, like, ancillary characters. Um... And the parts that they're that they're there, it's like, oh, uh, these characters are like, it's nice to see them, and they're clearly moving some stories that were pertinent to 1991 Marvel, like they're referencing little right. things that are happening in their books, but like Thor not being yeah, Thor. yeah exactly, which is what happened in Secret Wars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah because in Secret Wars, uh, it's Rhodey as Iron yeah. Man, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, and like but, nobody knows. Um, the real focal point is is the cosmic pantheon of all these mm. abstract concepts coming together uh, under the leadership of Adam Warlock. Uh, that this is really a book about cosmic Marvel that just happens to feature Marvel characters. Yeah. The moves, yeah. move the move, sales obviously. Yeah, well, and I think like i i like that because i think it speaks to like what is so cool about comic book universes right like that's the whole thing of what made marvel so cool before they finally hit the reboot button was that it was this world that was vast and wide reaching far beyond earth but it was all yeah. the same place and like you know th- this is a bit of a deus ex machina thing to have those characters included is that like you know earth's heroes are always significant in the grand cosmic scheme and that's just because earth is important right and like okay sure but aside from that like it's cool that these characters are involved because it makes sense for them to be involved right like the like the future of reality is at stake of course the avengers or the earth's mightiest defenders whatever you want to call them in this context would have something to say about that um whether or not they're beings truly capable of uh, like really meaningfully affecting the outcome is irrelevant. You know that's what makes them heroes. Thanos points that out. Like how many times has it said their chances of success are like less than one percent, mm-hmm. right? And then like Adam Warlock says, yeah, but they fight anyway. Yeah. You know because that's what that's what heroes do. You know so it's like of, of course they would throw their hat in the ring here. And they have skin in the game. You know. 
half, half of all life on Earth is wiped out. Their friends, colleagues, you know, family Shut gone. Shut up. A moment so. of silence, please, for hot guy. <laughs> so God I was, damn it, uh, Kale! I, oh, I know, I know what I was doing. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really interested in... Oh, wait. Are the Fantastic... Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four, those are some of the ones that disappeared, right? So... So yeah. all four of them, yeah. Okay. The the background of the book is uh, some editorial choices were made to keep certain characters out to not convolute their stories. Like Evolu- uh, Excalibur and most of the X Men weren't there consciously because they didn't want to cr- cross up their books. Same thing, Ditto, Fantastic Four. Yeah, I was I was really curious. Like this feels like uh, a, a Fantastic Four event, or like it should be. Um, so I was, I was, I, I, I remember noticing, uh, when I read the first issue that they were, you know, on that screen or whatever. Uh, but I just, as I read, I just forgot. Um, so I, I was really interested into, as to why they weren't there. It was just an editorial thing. Like I said, um, back then it was like, um, well, we can't overcomplicate our continuity because like there was a, like you see all the little strings of continuity in the book uh yeah. like fantastic four and x-men sold really well in the late 80s early 90s you didn't want to fuck that up fair enough so for me oh marco were you trying to get in there uh, i was just gonna say they um yeah for me they just sort of felt like ancillary and like kind of background characters like the the parts where they sort of were in yeah. there were like the slow bits um just because they they sort of just like they they are there as just an object to they just serve a purpose and it's only within warlock's uh chess game uh, yeah like that that's all they really are and that's all i felt that they that they were in this like um i mean i i'm, I'm sure they they definitely were there to to push sales but for me it was just they were just pieces and like it's the marvel universe yeah they're pawns yeah. on the board so their their portion of the book is actually the part that i have the biggest problem with mm. because they they don't serve a purpose uh and the only way that they kind of sort of do is it's only because of something that nobody else could have foreseen mephisto plays thanos he makes him think that death wants to see Thanos turn his power off so that he can fight fair, quote-unquote, against the heroes of Earth. If Mephisto doesn't do that, then Adam Warlock's entire strategy doesn't work. And that bothered me. Because uh, it, it just it just feels like one of those things where it's like, a very happy coincidence, and it makes sense that Thanos would do that, that he believed that because he's delusional, and it, and and we're supposed to believe yeah. he's delusional. He's a little cracked. He's not quite used to his power. Adam Warlock says that multiple times, so he's susceptible. But then it's also like, why is Mephisto even there? Like mm-hmm. it just it, that moment caused me to ask a lot of questions that I would rather have not needed to ask, and I feel like a big part of that is just because they shoehorned. Uh, the heroes of Earth in, and it caused a lot more problems than what it was worth for my money. So we we had the same we had the same issue um, with uh, Thor Ragnarok, the Avengers disassembled 
uh, Ragnarok because Captain America and Iron Man yeah. just show up and uh, you know it's like this has almost nothing to do with them at all uh, and then you know it was for an issue and then you know Thor went on to get wacky the, the, the real reason, Sean, is yes, uh, it was definitely a reason to give the heroes a chance to fight Thanos, but in the context of the story, Mephisto's there to try to get the gauntlet. He's being a conniving Satan, satanic figure. And yeah. in from the perspective of the narrative, it's not that not necessarily that Thanos is uh, cracked and not used to his powers, which they do mention. It's more so that he sets himself up to fail because that's what he does. That's his. That's... Yeah, sure, but but they literally do say that he he is not getting like he's not used to his power. So so you can't ignore that reality. I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to ignore it. I, I said that that's true, but like the narrative, like the conclu- like the the the, the 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 theme is that Thanos is gonna get in Thanos' own way. Right, but but again, okay. So Adam Warlock has a plan. That plan doesn't make any sense unless Mephisto does what he does, and Adam Warlock has no way or, of knowing that that's going to happen. Or, or less so, or less so that it doesn't make sense, and more that it won't work unless Mephisto does this. To be fair, though, they also point that out multiple times. Like they say how futile their efforts are and how like their plans have a almost zero. But what, what, what Warlock says when it does work is that the reason why I knew there was a small percentage chance of this working is because I know you and I know you're gonna get in your own way, and that's what happened. Right, but Warlock also plotted that whole thing out, just like he said. He pl- plotted that whole thing out, hoping that. Uh, Thanos would defeat himself basically it, it was also very weird that Thanos or that Warlock specifically pulls Hulk and Wolverine aside mm. basically telling them hey you guys are like the only guys who can kill him so like when you get the chance take it or, yeah, and or who that will amounted kill him. to nothing it sure did it right who will kill him and that amounted to literally nothing and I guess like again he's throwing everything he can at the situation to just try and see what can work but it, but for me, as I was reading it, it came across as like, this is highly coincidental, and these characters have to be there because they have to be. Here. So wait, and that's and that's it. You don't remember when Wolverine's bones yeah, I, I the think... rubber? I love that part. That yeah, was amazing. So yeah, the look on his face—he's just like. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think the 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 part of that that bothers me the most is like it feels very comic booky how every time they do anything it's like we have a less than one percent chance of doing it and then it's like oh man this little ray of hope has been reignited and like they say that (laughs) same exact thing in a different way in every fucking issue you know like every issue it's not gonna work we have no chance oh we have a chance we have a chance because this totally crazy random thing happened you know thanos got tricked or fucking I don't know whatever it's 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 it, it very much gets even more Deus Ex Machina than just like the overall setup of the book is by its very nature right you know right exactly uh, so I guess let's just let's dive more into the the plot of it the pacing and stuff like that how did you guys it's only six issues which I was surprised by I kind of thought it'd be a little longer. Um, and we talked about how there may have been a little bit of padding uh, with the uh, with the inclusion of the Avengers and the heroes and stuff like that. What did you guys think about all that? 
Well, I was going to say, it's also worth pointing out that the issues are a I was going to say, how long are, how yeah, long are they? Uh, they're, they're all 38, 40-page issues. <coughs> yeah, so so it's even more dense than a standard just six-issue uh, event. And I think that, to me, is where the problem lies. I think if it had been normal page counts, it would have been fine. But, like, I think the first issue is the most egregious, because the first issue is literally just nothing but info dumping. You know, the entire issue is explaining the plot of what's about to happen um, and, like, why it makes sense and, you know, who the players are. And then, like, there's that end part where literally the issue ends, like, five times in a row. You know, where it's, like, there's that thing with – and I don't remember who's first, if it's Cap or whoever, but they literally say, like, and it's about to get worse. Much yeah. worse, and then it's like, oh, that's the end of the issue, and then that moment happens for five other fucking characters. And, and I was saying this you know? off mic. Um, one of the biggest problems I had with this book, and really, it's just like a, it is sort of a pacing thing, and it's just like a personal preference thing. But like, when Thanos beats Eternity, and he, like, you know, we see his form looking over the palace he built for Death, that would have been a perfect place to end issue five. And you still had like fifteen more pages. Yeah, I think that's a pretty consistent thing in this in this book. Like it sets up a clear endpoint, and then it's like, well, we got twenty more pages, and Let's not for nothing. Roll. Like those pages are totally <laughs> worth it. It's just like, man, that would have been it. Or like you know, I I feel like the fights are a little bloated too. Like, the two issues that are dominated by the heroes fighting Thanos, and then, like, the celestial beings, or not the, because that's a subset of them. The cosmic entities fighting Thanos are both, like, they're popcorn comics. Like, they get very slog-festy in the middle of just, like, a fight with Jim Starlin writing captions about how they're like, oh, it almost worked, but it, it's, like, literally, like, color commentary on the fight of just, like, oh, my God, Iron Man was so close, but he lacked the raw power! You know, it's just, like, all right, I fucking get it. Like, <laughs> I actually loved those parts. Uh, so, and, and, and this comes to the art as well. Those, all the parts where Thanos is using his power or... He's fighting with the the cosmic entities, or there like there are just so many moments that are so beautiful to look at. Yeah, um, I love the art is fucking incredible. Dude. I I love um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fights between characters that are not necessarily like physical. Yeah, punch yeah. fights. You know, like fights mm-hmm. that you can't even see. I love that idea. Yeah, I and. The stuff, the stuff, just as you're saying, the stuff with the the heroes, like you know how that's gonna go. They're gonna throw a couple punches, and it it doesn't work. But then you get the the stuff between like Thanos and um, what is it, empathy and uh, oh, that was her, great, her husband or whatever, um, where Thanos is literally fighting within himself, and it's like, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, dude. Sean, yeah, um, I I, I want. Oh, I was just going to say, I want to give a specific shout-out to um, the, the colorists, Max Scheel and uh, Levelin, or I guess, it's, yeah, it's Levelinstein. Um, yeah, the colors in this book are fucking incredible. Yeah. Marco, you were going to say? Uh, no, I was just going to uh, agree that, like, I think that those were the best parts for me, well, like, like, those sort of long, drawn-out scenes, just because it was all about, like, the drama and, like, the flair more so than, like, 
what it meant for the story like it like it it, it leaned back to that stuff like the classics it's just like it's it's um it's not necessarily like hyperbolic or like super crazy it's just it's just sort of drawn out for the emotion and like just to play things up and i, I don't know that 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 sort of flare and flash like really stuck with me did it work for you for the heroes or are you speaking in more more in terms of like the the cosmic entities i i mean just in terms of like the the book itself and like the pacing and the way that it's uh, it's laid out like that like all that stuff i i, I super enjoyed it so like when like when pete when you said like it like finished it looked, felt like it finished like five times for me it's like each one of those is just like it's like uh one uh, it sort of put all of the pieces of where each of the characters are and ended them individually and then the issue would end collectively as like a larger thing uh, under each one if that makes sense like each each one of those sort of mini story yeah. arcs within concluded themselves and then the issue itself concluded like it made it more grandiose than it had to be but like that worked for me um so i i talking about the the pacing this book is still structured like a late 80s early 90s marvel book would be the info dumping comes oh, yeah. from the fact that everything needs to be relatively self-contained and a lot of stuff that led to Infinity Gauntlet number one was led into by a lot of build-up. And because it was a new six-issue mini uh, major event, they need to get as much information there as possible, assuming the reader hasn't read everything else. And that's like a very Marvel thing. With regard to a lot of these fights that took up many pages, that was very... Uh, traditional of early 90s marvel 2 because uh something that's characteristic of that time period is the gorgeous art which we've already highlighted the the art in this book by george perez is so good it's it's ridiculous well no he doesn't doesn't. do the whole series ron lim yes ron lim as well yeah ron lim is also the other penciler for the later and I want uh, Sean already kind of mentioned this, but like I think my favorite part of the entire book is all the Marvel abstract stuff, like when yes when Surfer and 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 Warlock show up with Quasar, and they're like, oh, did no one show up? And then all of a sudden it's just a poof. You see Love, and you see the Watcher, and you see the Living Tribunal, and the way their that page is and the way their dialogue awesome. is presented, like outside of normal bubbles because they're not they're not they're incorporeal is the word you were looking for um that is the shit i fucking dig and we'd never see a lot of it in marvel in general like we don't see these characters often um so which i guess is a is a good thing too because it really reflects like this is a big deal like all the threads and fabrics of of the entire universe are coming together for this reality shaping event um, I and and to specifically call out uh, the moment this this moment was when I I think I really got gripped by this story was when Adam Warlock goes and tries to convince them all to join him mm. and they say no. Galactus is like I don't want to be led by you. You don't know what you're talking about. You're immortal. Um, uh, the Living Tribunal tells uh, Eternity I think it was that 
you he's a he's a bigger fish. Mm-hmm. So if he mm-hmm. beats you, then that's just the natural order of things. I'm out. I of love this. that. Yeah, and that was so cool. Yeah, that was a very good moment. Just such excellent writing by Jim Starlin. And then you think that it's just that it's hopeless, but then it turns out that they decide, okay, let we gotta fight this anyways. And then that big battle where one by one they all you see all their different power sets and what Thanos has to deal yeah. with. And it's mind it's mind melting. And like I I want this in the movie. Like after I read this book, <laughs> I thought to myself, Man, I don't even care about the heroes. I wanna see yeah. Thanos versus Eternity and love and hate and all that other stuff. I loved that at first before they really got into yeah. it, it was not represented. It was just light. Because the idea yeah. is like these yeah. are so abstract that this battle you can't even Yeah. Thank you, Kale. Man, this, Thank this you. is exactly. this is my favorite page. <laughs> like this is incredible. It's the the sheer use of pink in that issue is like insane. Like there's so many just like like vibrant insane colors flashing of just like this battle is incomprehensible. Exactly. That's exactly you know? the way to describe it as indescribable. Yeah, I mean and and I'm 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 looking through it myself. There are just so many incredible moments. I would say that if you've not read this, it's worth it for the art alone. Um, it, it, it truly is incredible. And um, you're right, Phil, that we don't get to see these characters often. For me, this was my first time seeing a lot of these figures. Obviously, I've seen Living Tribunal, Celestials, and stuff like that. But some of these other figures do not appear in, in modern Marvel books. And to see them all together here was just incredible. And go ahead, Kevin. Well, to, to your point, they shouldn't. You shouldn't see them. Yeah. Like, an, like an event of this magnitude um works so well because like these beings and these abstract concepts come come out of non-existence to beat thanos and like engage him and it's man it's so powerful that is like that that's like the sorry that that was just like that in and of itself is the like the whole of cosmic stuff like especially for x-men like i that's my favorite stuff for x-men like once they hit space like that's that's my x-men stuff like all that's like craziness and and you have to constantly bump up the scale and in order to do that like that scale and that measure of just like oh this is some pretty deep like this is some pretty heavy shit now we have to deal with now it's like these entities come out of literally nothing to just address it. I want to I want to bring this back full circle for a second because this is a book full of abstract concepts and manifest physical manifestations of things that are uh, uh, ideas like love and empathy and stuff like that. Um, yeah. When you have things like that, you need some kind of human emotion to actually like char- human character to ground a story like this, and that's why the Shakespearean elements come into play, like. There's a part toward the end of the book where Nebula uh, comes back and takes the gauntlet, and she is not uh, capable of wielding it yet, or possibly ever at all. And the way they first try to foil that attempt is by appealing to her hubris, and she tries to reset everything 24 hours earlier just to get vengeance out of spite on her grandfather. And in doing that, she is reanimated back to the way Thanos made her a day ago, which was a living hellscape between uh, death and, and barely living. 
and that's like a very Shakespearean thing. The irony, the cruel irony. It's like a, it's like Faust or something. Well, and even even the the familial element too, is like a very Shakespearean thing. Yeah, um, I I really loved the way that that kind of played out with Nebula. I knew, I mean, it's obvious she's walking around for the entire book. At some point, she's going to have a major role, and uh, I just I love the fact it also illuminates how powerful Thanos is, right? Because Thanos is really powerful, but even he is struggling to wield the gauntlet to its full potential and not lose it, right? So when she gets it, she doesn't know what the heck she's doing, and she loses control, and that's kind of her downfall. Um, so it, it, it gives credence to Thanos' power, despite the fact that we've seen him for the past, you know, six, five-ish, six issues at that point with the gauntlet. Um, that 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 it takes an extreme power to use this and wield it. Sure. Uh, I think actually one of my favorite panels in the book is when that he points out that she lacks the vision necessary to properly explain yeah. the reality gem or the infinity gems. Did you guys catch that? <laughs> you know who does have the vision to wield such a gauntlet? Vision. True, but I was gonna say oh, Wilson shit. Fisk. <laughs> I know. Sure, oh, our president. Great. Uh, so. You referenced Silver Surfer before, uh, and I want to bring him up once again because Silver Surfer really was like the MVP of this story in terms of kind of representing the heart and soul of it all. I would say him and Captain America. Yeah. Um, Silver's first of all, first of all, the best part of this book for me was every crazy Silver Surfer reaction. His faces <laughs> in this book were incredible when when galactus blasts adam warlock into oblivion there's a panel of silver surfer like no and i just i, I just <laughs> loved it i had to point it out to my girlfriend there are several instances where he has that face and uh, i just loved his emotion throughout this book um yeah the, the the shot where he like where it's revealed that like when he's like i felt like 50 percent of the people's anguish like and he's just like he's like his non-eyes are just so fucking wide he's just like <gasps> or or when he when he <laughs> when he crashes excellent. into dr strange's house and he's like sean right here <laughs> yes that is the one that yes is the exactly one. no <laughs> When he crashes into Doctor oh, Strange's so house good. and he's immediately like, you have no idea what's coming. Readers at home reading this. An evil more evil than evil is about to evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed him here. I haven't read a lot of comics starring Silver Surfer. Uh, and I love the Silver Surfer. Yeah, and this was a great way to kind of not not be introduced to him, but to see him at his best, I think. Yeah. It's just super funny, too, because, like, I, I love how they play with, um... And this is, like, kind of back to something that we pointed out before about, like, the... All the cosmic entities, like... The Silver Surfer is, like, supposed to be this very powerful cosmic entity, and he's completely dwarfed by all these other beings, right? And even, like, I love how they do that with the Watcher, too. Mm -hmm. Where, like, the Watcher was always the big signifier of, like, a terrible event. But it's, like, he's, like, peanuts compared to all of these other beings that have shown up to engage in this but as to, well. But to sort of compare with that, they also put Doctor Strange up there with the Silver Surfer. Which is something I had never really yeah. considered. Sure. Like, he's he's also, like, 
a real a real powerhouse. Oh, yeah, he, he's the ma- in his world. He's the master Absolutely. of magic on Earth. Uh, the supreme sorcerer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to talk. Sure. But I mean, both the, the <laughs> book. The, this book has a lot of little moments of of greatness, and another moment that I really liked is when all the Sky Fathers banded together to combat this evil. You see. Odin and Zeus and all these other miscellaneous gods are like, you know what? Shit, we need to get together. Our pantheons are threatened. Let's do this. You know, I I really wish I had that page in front of me because I laughed out loud. Yeah. Because the book is telling you all these different people and where they represent. And it's like Odin from, you know, uh, wherever and like all these different places. Zeus. And then it's just like one guy. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was the new uh, secretary of the Soviet Union at the time. And like his literal one line da. of dialogue, he's like, da. Da. <laughs> you know, like like the Russians say. Oh, I, I don't think so they ultimately good. did very much either. No. I know. No, of course not. They literally were like, we need to band together. And they're like, you're right. We're going to follow you, Odin. And then immediately they're trapped there. And he's just like, oh, what a fool yeah, they I were, was. Uh, the Marvel <laughs> heroes were better than l- the literal gods of the whole world. <laughs> there was a there's yep. a part that yep. made me laugh where Odin's like, I'm wearing my eye patch of sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the ceremonial eye patch of sorrow. Yeah. I just me. I just had this mental image of this Ron Burgundy s god going through his cabinet of eye patches. He's like, you know what? This is my bowling eye patch. I'm gonna wear that tonight. <laughs> Since we're showing off pages, I just wanted to show this one really quick. This is I think this is such a yeah such an awesome uh, page here. Oh yeah. Uh, just 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 so just so cool, man. Like you don't. Do you want to describe that for the audio listeners? Uh, right, absolutely. So it's just a page of uh, all the cosmic entities together uh, shooting, you know, not even all shooting oh, blasts. It's kind of like this incomprehensible assault upon Thanos. And he's in the midst of this just going, no! Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of turns it around and traps them. But uh, what I was going to say was that you don't see things like this anymore. Not just... Not just in terms of these characters, but this re- the representation of what they're doing, this kind of like off the wall bombastic um, art style, it actually kind of reminds me of um, the prior book club that we did for uh, the Black Mask book. The name escapes me currently. Oh, Space Riders. Space Riders. Just that that kind of crazy, you know, art. It's like that Jack Kirby right, style, you right. know, that like very like surrealist, cosmic, lots of. Like vibrant color, and you know, mind bending. Just the the extravagant, bombastic nature of the cosmic stuff, but it's some of the simpler paneling too. There's a scene where you first are introduced to Captain America, and he's silhouetted into an. He's like drawn into an American flag. Oh yeah, and it's just like it's the subtle stuff, or or. Or even like the metalness of the palace that Thanos creates for death, this throne yeah. of skulls. It's 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 the the, the design is really inspired. Yeah. 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 So Mar- Mar- there's like Marcus an right now. See it? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah audio listeners, there's, there's an look at it. To that, uh, it's on page thirty-six. If you have the trade, or like, yeah. There you go. 
Um, but yeah, th- you just don't see stuff like that very often anymore. You know, like I, I know when we talked about um, uh, Earth One, the the Wonder Woman book, um, Yannick did a lot of stuff like that, and like that was one of the things that really spoke to us as readers because you don't see stuff like that as much anymore, and that really was a thing that was common in the in the the eighties and early nineties. You know, like this was the style, <laughs> and um, it's unfortunate. That, that we kind of shifted away from that. Not to say that the art today is bad, but th- this era specifically of Marvel stuff um, just really speaks to mm-hmm. me. You know, There's something about it that I think is really, really special and unique. Yeah, after reading this, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in, in looking at more of the Marvel cosmic stuff. I, I do think it's really interesting. Oh, man. Um, so, oh, man. Yeah, it's cool yeah, stuff, it's man. Cool. I, I, I have read Annihilation, and I do, I do really, really enjoy it. Um, so one thing I wanted to uh, say, I uh, was looking through issue five at, at some of the art, so I, I was wondering if maybe there were there was some on sale, and I just wanted to um, just take a look, right? Um, and oh, I didn't okay. find any. I didn't find no? any. But what I did find was the uh, the page that Sean brought up. Uh, with all of the the gods sitting around and Odin's giving them the speech. Yeah. Uh, so let's play just a quick game. <laughs> go ahead and give. Go ahead and give me the the prices right. You know, high or low on how much you think it is. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna make us guess the characters, the gods' names, and I was like, oh, that's gonna be a disaster. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, I'll tell you some parameters. Okay. This is eBay. Um, it's from a seller called Collectors Underscore Comics. What's his percent rating? Uh, ninety nine point eight. Oh, so it's wow. legit. All right, he's legit. Two hundred ninety, two hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, under. That's way. Two hundred ninety nine or. Oh, I'm uh, 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 over. Or over? Okay. I'm 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 going with. I'm going with uh, twenty five hundred. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with like, two K and up. I'm gonna say over three thousand. Uh, Phil was actually the closest, surprisingly. Really? Uh, it's uh one thousand two hundred and ninety nine. Just add a thousand to what I said. Well, Marco would be closest. Wait, yeah. Yeah, because Marco guessed two thousand. But he said and over. I did. Right. The point is, it's yeah, that Price that Price one silly page of the the Russian guy going dot is thirteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I love. What's it. What's his name, Kale? Since you're looking at it, that's. Uh, let me that's see. Awesome. It is a. Uh, I think that's on the. No, it's right page, here. Isn't it? Svarog, Svarog of Russia. There you go. So uh, I do want to. I do want to uh, bring us to a close here. But I just want to end with our our final sort of final thoughts on this book. Um, do you recommend it? And uh, you know, for just final final opinions. I definitely recommend it. I think the book is worth exploring. Um, it's it's one of the best Marvel events for my money, and I don't think it's like like there are obviously problems with it. You know, like, we've outlined some of our concerns with, with some of the way that the writing's approached and, and some of the decisions that Hawkeye. were mostly made um, for the sake of... Yeah, right, no Hawkeye, obviously a big detractor. But um, 
I, I do think there is something here that's very valuable. You know, I think it's it's really emblematic of what is cool about this era of Marvel Cosmic. And if you're not familiar with these characters and, and the more, um, like, big-picture universe stuff in Marvel, I think this is a really good way to, like, wet your beak and, and get, like, a little bit of exposure to it. Um, and... You know, like, I think, I think like Kale was, I, I imagine that this will inspire you to be more interested in and check out some of the other stuff because there's a lot of really good shit there. Um, and stuff I imagine we're going to start seeing more of in the main canon with, with uh, the MCU saying that they're going to be focusing on more cosmic stuff in the future. I imagine a lot of these kinds of players are going to be more relevant in the years to come in, like, a broader pop culture lexicon so um now's your opportunity to be one of the cool kids and read it before everyone else <laughs> yeah i i enjoyed the hell out of this i think um i think if 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 you're afraid if you're one of those people that's afraid to approach events because of the the continuity i think you should just this is one of the events that you should just sort of let go of that and just you know walk into it because while there are strings of continuity, they do give you the, you know, the basis of what you need to know. And frankly, it isn't much because it's it's literal abstractions and cosmic entities fighting. Yeah. Um, I love this book, and it has problems. Definitely has problems. There, uh, we've already highlighted several of them, like Pete had said, and like a lot of it has to do with like the Marvel heroes aspect, which I I look over because uh, it's 1991, and they're trying to move this book. What this book accomplishes is it it, it was seminal for comic books. Uh, this is the most formative book for Thanos that there is. Uh, the iconography of all merchandise is Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, this ne- this new Marvel movie is called Infinity War. This this is this is this is so intertwined with the character, and this is uh, twenty years after he was created. Um, to give you a sense, um, I'm worried that the movie is gonna handle this kind of stuff with kids' gloves for a wider audience. And I know I, I I'm not saying that like I expect there to be like abstractions of of Marvel cosmic entities in this movie, but like even things like even things <laughs> just like Thanos's love for death, like we haven't really gotten a sense of that, and and the dialogue we have gotten from Josh Brolin has been like, eh. but it's in good hands. It's the Russos, and that I mean they're very capable. So we'll see. Um, and uh, th- this is my wheelhouse. I love Marvel Cosmic shit. Uh, Marvel Cosmic shit, X-Men, and street characters are, like, my three jams for Marvel stuff. Yeah, me too, baby. And <laughs> this is the shit that led into, like, six years of excellence of Marvel Cosmic from 2006 to 2012. All the Starlin stuff that basically paved the road. Um, Starlin doesn't get enough was credit. That, that recent? Yeah. Annihilation Man. was 2006. Um, which actually was kickstarted in a lot of ways by a Thanos miniseries in 2004, also written by Jim Starlin. That's really good, but that's beside the point. Um, I would definitely recommend this just because um, this is this is comic books. This is like why we're all here. This is like the most pure shit of the genre and the art form. 
yeah for um for me it's definitely uh i definitely recommend it um and just as again i'm not in like the marvel stuff and but this as a just coming at it as like a sci-fi book is in my wheelhouse and um even though you don't like to kale's point like you don't need the context for this necessarily you don't need that there, there definitely is continuity but it's not heavy and it's something that's accessible for someone who isn't in the weeds with a lot of that absolutely uh so i i would recommend it for um i, I would definitely recommend it my only issue is that if you are uh, if you are going into this expecting to know what Infinity War is going to be like, throw that out. This is not that. Because yeah. there's so many elements of this book that you are not going to see on screen. <laughs> Part of me wishes that they had held off on doing this on screen until they had more of these characters. Specifically Adam Warlock. You know, I wish he was going to be in the fray. Um, and, and, and maybe introduce more of the cosmic elements. To date, we've seen... Some celestials, but they were not. I think we've seen one celestial, but that that wasn't. It was just in the Guardians movie, and it wasn't. And it he was wasn't dead, doing right? anything. Yeah, no, no. The, it was, well, there's then there's two. There's one walking around, and then there's the dead one. The, the, the collector like, okay, shows yeah. a celestial. Right. So, um, it, you know, I I wish that there was more of that. But that being said. If you're looking to know where Thanos comes from and what those roots are, which is why we did this book, uh, this will show you. Uh, this will, this is the main thing when you're talking about Thanos and when you're trying to figure out who he is, this is that book. So I absolutely recommend it on that front. And I think that going into Infinity Gauntlet, uh, or sorry, Infinity War, um, if you want to have a familiarity with that character, this is the one to read. Um, so... Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. You can let us know by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on social media at thecomicspals. And if you're on YouTube and checking this out, then of course you can leave this video a like, drop a comment, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it takes you. Uh, and of course you should hit that bell uh, because that'll get you notified whenever we drop new, fresh content. So... With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys.